Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. Today's guest, you know, I always give my, like my guests nicknames, and I, I would nickname him the Serial Boss. And as this episode starts to unfold, you'll know exactly why I'm calling him the Serial Boss. So, without giving out all his 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 accolades, why don't you go ahead and give us a small introduction to who you are, Tom? Thank you for the. Uh... Intro. Uh, I also love the background behind you. The, the, his prof- the professional production, isn't it? We're getting there. We're getting there. Amazing. Um, background to me. Right. So what happened with me is I'm 31. When I, I studied chemistry, because I didn't know what, what I wanted to do. So I did that for four years. And then I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and spent four years working in big consulting companies. Didn't like it. And so in 2013 or 14, I was like, something needs to change. And so then from basically since 2013, 14, all I've done is like try to learn the business thing because mm. you don't really learn business in the, in the consulting companies. Yep. And so I think I've just like thrown so much shit at the wall. I don't know if I can swear <laughs> over the past seven years. And only in the last like two years really has stuff started to stick. <laughs> so I think how I describe myself is um, uh, online uh, entrepreneur slash marketer mm-hmm. uh, that's just tried loads of stuff <laughs> and failed loads of times. And finally, see, it seems like stuff is finally going well. So I want my audience uh, to understand. First of all, he's modest as hell, right? I mean, l- l- let's just talk about some of his, his accolades a little bit. You've done a TEDx talk, correct? Right? You've been on Dragon's Den. So and keep in mind, he's over in, in London. So those that don't know what Dragon's Den is, it's the originator of Shark. Tank. Shark Tank came from um, from Dragon's Den, right? In addition to that, you've created and sold five companies in, in this span of time. And one of the companies is, is how you and I got connected. So people that don't know, like my current podcast is hosted on BCAST and we're speaking to the founder of BCAST. So now that we kind of got the formalities out the way, right? Like how would you define yourself in three to five words? Online entrepreneur slash marketer. Definitely interesting. So let's just let's talk about. I mean, obviously, there's just multiple different facets to, to your to your journey, right? And I think on Dragons, then you were kind of like the male version of Spanx. You were kind of doing like male leggings. Is that not correct? That's that's 100 correct. So I mean, this is talk about. I mean, like like did you all were always into fashion, or it was just something that you saw a niche in the market and you jumped on it? So this is um, part like. As per the start of this interview, right? I just was just throwing shit against the wall. This actually the very first entrepreneurial thing that I did was with my two best friends. We were living together in London. We we used to wear skinny jeans because that was like the thing to do. And for some reason, we were like we saw a newspaper article saying male leggings was the next big thing. So we, as a joke, kind of went to our local market, bought some female leggings off eBay and then drew on our logo, which was male, and started selling these things. I don't think we sold any in that first eight hours on the market. But then we, <laughs> I had an idea to apply to Dragon's Den 
uh, we by that time we we did we got some actual legacy made in China, had a website, applied to Dragon's Den, got on Dragon's Den, um, and then we actually only sold their business in like 2018. So the business was alive for like four or five years. We didn't sell that many leggings in total, maybe six thousand pairs, mm. but over five years, that's not too much. Um, and so that was one example of, of of throwing stuff at the wall. So what did I learn then? I learned about how to find products. I learned about SEO. I learned about driving traffic, paid spend. And so it's just part of this online entrepreneur journey, really, mm-hmm. um, that I've done. It, like we, we didn't lose money. We put a tiny bit at the start and we did take money out throughout the journey. So we didn't, it, it was probably profitable financially. In terms of the amount of time we spent, it probably wasn't, wasn't profitable at any reasonable mm-hmm. hourly rate. But the, there were definitely learnings there that mm-hmm. um, have t- helped me today. Hmm. That's interesting. So, I mean, like you said, you were just throwing shit on the wall. You're trying to figure things out. But, you know, in that essential failure, you you got some really core examples of learning how to maximize SEO, how to market a product, how to find a product. So, I mean, how did you end up on a TED Talk, a TEDx? So, again, it was, this was 2014. I think both of these things happened in that year. Mm. It was the same thing. I was probably just like browsing. And then I was like, I, I can do that. I can do the TEDx talk. So I just applied with my... Oh, I actually leveraged the legging thing. So this is a learning. Mm-hmm. If you have like one good piece of media coverage, you can leverage that into others. And so I said nice. that we've been on Dragon's Den. I want to sh- share my learnings. And I was just reading it like f- throughout the last six years, I just read all the time. So I was getting into like self-help. So I understood, started to learn these self-help concepts, which are actually relatively basic things. Uh, but for me, because I was so new to the space, I thought this was like the life-changing stuff that everyone should know, which it is true, but it just wasn't as groundbreaking as I thought. So then I went and did a TEDx talk on one of these concepts, which, which is, as we've already discussed today, the importance of just trying and failing. Um, mm-hmm. And failure doesn't really exist. It's just a reframe of learning experiences. And mm-hmm. so I applied to the TEDx talk, it leveraged the legging thing, got accepted, did the TEDx talk. It was a great experience. Again, what were the learning there? Like, obviously learning that material really well, but also learning how to communicate effectively. And I, you can watch the TEDx talk. If you Google TEDx Tom Hunt, you'll, you'll find it. And I don't think the talk is that good. But um, it was a great experience again. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and to, to your credit, I mean, I think during that TEDx talk, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you had made a um, a paraphrase to the Matrix, and I think it was knowing the path and walking the path is essentially two different things, right? But I mean, you're living that example. I mean, like you're learning the path as you're walking the path, and you're you're breathing and you're living the example of what entrepreneurism really is, and you're doing it. So I definitely, I mean. The fact that you're on the show, I appreciate you even being here and, and this going into like more of like your business modeling, right? So you did a TEDx talk, you did off, you know, you did the, the Dragon's Den. How the hell did you end up in SaaS platforming and creating a podcast environment for hosting? I mean, we're going to be here for so long if I take you through every step. Um, what happened is, so I, I was still working at Accenture. I did the mail legging thing. I did the TEDx thing. I was building, uh, I set myself the goal at the start of 2014 to leave ex- my, my job. Mm-hmm. And so I had to build a business. Uh, I couldn't code, so I had to, it had to be something to do with marketing or services. So but I, I did have experience in outsourcing. I was doing outsourcing in the corporate world. So I basically started this small company that was um, a service company where we would have a team of people in the Philippines and then charge those people out for double their what we pay their salary for. Nice. So I started that. And eventually quit at the end of 2014, had replaced my salary, made a team of like eight people in the Philippines and like six clients who were paying for those people. And so then I was like, okay, I quit, started traveling around the world to grow this business. And then 
I read a book, so we're going to jump into the book part here, um, a book called The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco. It sounds like quite a scammy title, but it's actually an incredible book. And so that book basically says that you can build, you get rich by building systems. And you, if you do really want to get rich, the system has to be scalable. The, the person system, which is what I was building, is can scale, but it's quite hard to scale. So then I was like, okay, well, I need to pivot from this to build a software system. So we started building Virtual Valley, which is probably my greatest business success. Maybe maybe behind Fame and Bcast at the moment, but that was the service business, but transitioned into a marketplace. So you could go and find your own person from the Philippines, pay them and track their time through the platform. So it's like Upwork, but just for Filipino virtual assistants. So I started building this, like launched it, grew that. And I think I was overworked and burnt out because I just worked, like I was living in Poland on my own, just working all the time. And so what happened is we grew it, the revenue was okay, but then I think I just kind of bailed out. I was like, my emotions were fucked. So I bailed out too early, I think. So I ended up selling it, not for, it was for five figures, like not life changing at all. Mm. Um, and because I wanted to move on to a slightly different model with a different co-founder, because I built, built this one on my own and it was bootstrapped. So it was quite stressful. So that was my first like foray into software. And then since then, so that takes up to like 2016. Since then, I've grown or started and grown other small SaaS products, but none of them have really worked. And then uh, we get to 2019. And so here I take a break from the entrepreneurial world. And there's a company who I invested in. I went to be their head of demand generation, which is like head of marketing and the small salespeople. Hmm. So, so I joined, realized that I can't be employed. I'm a terrible employee. But we started a podcast, which did really well. It's now, I think, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales ops. And the service we built to, the machine we built to grow the podcast was very effective and very profitable for that, for my employer. So I decided to leave and then give that service business or start the service business uh, of building these podcasts for other companies. So now that's an agency called Fame. We do, we have 11 clients where we do that same podcast system. And, but again, if we go back to the learnings about people, if you want to get rich or you want to be successful, need to build a system. Uh, people systems can scale, but they're quite hard to scale. So ideally you can build a software system. And so as we're building fame, we were paying other podcast hosts to, to use their service. They weren't doing exactly what we wanted them to do. Mm. And so we, I actually met a guy from a, so I have a, I, the, I, I run another community called SaaS Marketer. It's really just a blog and an email list. And so as I was uh, starting to grow fame. I, I love marketing. So I, I was writing case studies about how SaaS companies had grown. And so I emailed that list saying, does anyone want to build a podcast host? Because I have this agency, I have clients. Mm. We want to build a podcast host just for this specific type of podcast. Uh, and so I met Neil, who's on that list. Uh, me and Neil spun up Bcast as a separate corporation to fame. So now I, I just split my time between Fame and Bcast, famous agency, Bcast is a SaaS company, and there's there's a SaaS community, but that's just like a blog post every two weeks or something. So, I mean, I think you just kind of define like a blueprint of like how you can take one product and scale it into another product, and one could be a software, the other one could be a service, and how they both could work with each other and feed each other. So, I just dive into fame a little bit more, right? So, I mean, obviously, you have Bcast. Bcast is a hosting platform, which, you know, Boston Cage is hosted on. How, how does fame help? with that platform? How do they feed into each other? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I think this is so, so important for B2B entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. If you have a service company, 
you can build software to help improve your margins. That's that's probably the, the first reason why you should. And so you're building that software to improve your margins, but you're getting feedback from the people that care and they're paying you, either your agency clients. Mm. Then if you have a SaaS company, I'd also actually recommend providing services as well, because that gets you into the client closer than you were if you just give them software. Mm. Um, and so you can learn and then improve the product that way. So for us, fame came first. We wanted to improve our margins. And I just wanted to build a SaaS company because I loved it. And then I was learning about how SaaS companies grow and mm. we're kind of di diverging here, but the, the, for me, if you, if you can do these three things as a SaaS company, it's going to increase the likelihood that you're going to grow. First is you take, you, you niche down in a growing market. So podcasting is, is blowing up. We, we, we've taken this slice of podcasting, which we call the marketer. And so we're, we're riding on this wave, but we've niched down. Well, so, so that's two of them. So ride the wave, but then also niche down. Mm. And then the third one is, can you somehow, uh, get the people that use your software to expose other people in the networks while, while they're using the software. And so nice. these three things came together for me to be like, actually, podcast hosting can, can suit this. We have the agency. Uh, it's growing. We've niched down and there's some virality. So that was another driver. That was another reason why I wanted to start a SaaS company. We like transitioned the clients that we had onto BCAF. They were the first customers essentially. Mm. And we used the learnings that we were getting from running this podcast process to feed into the product, to improve that, to make it specific for this process. So BCAF benefits from fame because we get the learnings from the clients. Mm -hmm. BCAF also gets revenue from fame because every fame client is paying for BCAF or fame is paying BCAF. Mm -hmm. um, and then fame benefits from BCAF obviously because we improve our margins. And uh, we haven't actually done this yet, but in the future, we can potentially upsell the fame service to BCAS customers. So yeah. they do fit together quite nicely. Um, the, the traditional entrepreneurial wisdom is that you should focus. Mm -hmm. And my problem, one of the reasons I don't think I've achieved success earlier is because I don't focus, right? I, I do too much stuff. But I think... If you, if you do have an agency, well, maybe it's different for different people, but it's working quite well now because to grow, to bootstrap stuff, it takes time, mainly because Google takes a while to, to love your domain. Mm -hmm. And so if you are trying to push something fast, push something forward too fast, you, you don't see results in time and then you get disappointed and then you stop. But if you have these multiple things running at the same time, you're, it's a bit more interesting because you're doing three different things and you're giving Google the chance to start ranking you and give you love. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I think maybe it isn't best just to focus on one thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then if you have the SaaS and software, you, know, you have the SaaS and the service that um, complementary, uh, you still are kind of focused, you're focused on the same issue, which is how can we get, or we are, how can we get B2B marketers uh, a profit from a podcast, right? And so we're doing that both in software and service. So it's good if you can align that because you just get better at solving that problem every day, whether it's through software or service. So um, yeah. that's probably what I would say about that. Yeah, I think I think that, that that's definitely ingenious. So with the Fame platform, essentially what you're doing is that you're coaching podcasters on how to scale and to monetize their podcast, but then you're supporting it with an actual software that's going to help them do that. Because if people don't understand or have not used Bcast, Bcast is essentially like a marketing platform for podcasters. It's like, and every time the beautiful part of Bcast is that we can kind of submit and say, hey guys, we love what you got going on in the roadmap, but here's something else that we want, we want to add. And we can put that request in and sure as hell within a period of time, 
that request shows up inside the application live. Well, that yeah, we uh, it doesn't happen with every request. We have to yeah. filter them through what is going to add the most value to the most customers, um, and it's also serving the right customer for us, right? Because we have to prioritize this marketer, otherwise we're just going to be up against Libsyn or Anchor, etc. Um, and just to clarify, Fame, we 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 are a service, so clients will pay us, and we'll actually do the work to grow the podcast. Yeah, so when you talk about doing the work, right, are, are you guys essentially creating the marketing content, the marketing strategy, or are you guys actually like producing the podcast? Yeah, we're producing the podcast. We do everything. Oh, that's definitely, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a one-stop shop with two different sides of the coin that work together. So that, that's definitely great, man. I, I definitely, one, one, I appreciate the software. I appreciate the service and just have an opportunity to kind of pick your brain about this is definitely, um, definitely eye-opening. So kind of just moving along with this podcast, like what's the worst experience you've had on your entrepreneurial journey? I mean, you've done a lot of different things, right? But obviously you've been hit with hurdles and what's the worst one you've been hit with so far? I think so after we, after I did Virtual Valley, after I sold that, I had a co-founder and we went through, uh, raised a bit of money and went through an accelerator in London. Mm. And we we were pretty inexperienced. So we, we were like very good at executing, but not good at choosing what to execute. Mm. So we basically spent a year where we were executing really fast, like built loads of stuff, did loads of marketing, but never really found the right thing to, to build on. And so that was an incredibly frustrating year because we could see that we were good at doing stuff. We just weren't doing the right mm. stuff. And so that, that was quite a low point, I think. Well, it's like 2016, 17. Um, so I would, I, I, I think it is, obviously you, I recommend a bias towards action, but there is something to be said for having strategy and ensure, ensuring that you're uh, taking action towards something that is going to be valuable in the long term for your customers mm-hmm. and ultimately for you. Because otherwise you're just going to spend six, seven years failing like I did. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, right? I mean, you're not necessarily failing, you're failing forward, right? I mean, you have to kind of put yourself out there, jump over the fears, jump into the market, test the hell out of it, see what happens. And then by that, you recover and you get back up. And then you wouldn't be where you are right now if you didn't fail, right? That's true, but it's quite hard. It's pretty brutal, like to go through that process. And maybe in another like alternate universe, I wouldn't have persevered. So it's, it's better to try and get do the right thing first, I think. But if, if but I understand your point. So I mean, just just continue on that topic. So if you could time travel, right, and go back, what's one thing you would do differently if you could do it all over again? I'd probably spend more time planning on what I was going to work on. I, I used to just like have an idea, spend two months on it, and then give up. <laughs> um, so I try and be more more strategic with uh, how I invest my time. Hmm. Interesting. So now that you have like all these different tentacles and, and the synergy is working and the compounding effect and the scaling is starting to happen, like how is your business structured? I mean, are you an S corp, a C corp, a LLC? So we're, we're based in the UK. So Bcast is a limited corporation. Fame is a limited corporation. Actually, the Fast Marketer blog is like in the Fame corporation. Mm. And so I own all of the Fame and Fast Marketer corporation. The Bcast corporation is split between myself and my co-founder. Mm. Um, and we don't neither have raised any money. So, out of the two corporations, I own 100, like a close to 75%, I think, no less than that. Gotcha. Um, and so, well, we have complete control over what we do. 
that's definitely interesting. Cause I, I had a chance to interview um, Hello Wolfie, which is another platform that kind of does marketing share. And the co-founder of that, he's really big into raising capital. So did you have to have any equity raises? Did you have any angel investments or you guys are 100% self-funded? Yeah, we haven't raised any money. So we, like with the service business, you don't, there isn't really a need for it. You probably scale slower. Like we have, we've been operating for a year and a half. Mm. Um, and then because we, it's, it's very hard to build a SaaS company without raising money. Um, if you don't have the skills in-house. Fortunately, Neil is a very experienced developer. I'm a relatively experienced marketer. So we do have the skills in-house. Um, it's still hard though. If you're going up against uh, very established competitors to build a product that is good enough to release onto the market if you're bootstrapped. So we did raise money essentially from AppSumo um, where we fell a lifetime deal and then we get that cash and then we have to support the customers for life. Um, and that has helped us build, get the product to where it is today um, and has also helped, helped us with marketing as well. But aside from that, we haven't raised any outside money. No. So I mean, I'm happy you brought up AppSumo because I mean, obviously AppSumo is, for people that don't know what AppSumo is, obviously go look it up because to your point, it's helping fund small startup SaaS companies to software platforms that may not be in existence if AppSumo wasn't there to fund them without doing an equity raise. So in that process, I mean, what, what did that look like? I mean, a lot of times we hear about we're going to get capital, we're going to get equity, but you're saying that you use AppSumo to pretty much like do a, a pre-sell or to sell the product. How, how, did, how did that work? Yeah, so for you work with them, they help you create the deal, you go live and you give them 70%. Okay. What you're really getting or what you really, the, if you look at it financially, you're really borrowing money. And then you're paying it off for the rest of your life. So you're, you get this upfront fee, but then you have to pay off uh, the users in terms of support and server costs for the rest of your life. So it's not free and it's not the magic pill, but it does get you a lot, of, a lot of customers, a lot of feedback and a lot of exposure in a short period of time. And obviously the cash upfront to reinvest in the product. Mm -hmm. So for us, we, we raised about $70,000 mm. um, and got about 1,000 users from that experience. And so we can take that money to hire a developer, hire support people, spend on marketing, et cetera. Nice, nice. So, I mean, it, it's a win-win situation, but to your point, I mean, I think that's why most lifetime deals that come from AppSumo have a timer associated to them for a small period of time. So is it more so, is it time or is it, do you have a cap of, hey, we have 1,000 licenses that we want to, or 2,000 licenses, or is it more so we have 30 days or 60 days? Which one is it usually? You can actually choose. So with our deal, they we said it could be longer than thirty, and they could basically choose when they when they wanted to stop. So when they start selling, they'll they'll take it off. Nice, nice, nice. So just, just dive into it. I mean, we always hear about someone being perceived as an overnight success. Like somebody's looking at this podcast and they're hearing your story about your TEDx talk. You you, you are on Dragon's Den, all these different accomplishments, and they're like. Like this is the first time they're hearing about you. And it's like you're an overnight success to this person. But in reality, it probably took you a period of time. So how long did it take you to get to currently where you are on your journey? Seven years of working like a lot. Like in the last year or two, maybe I've worked less. Mm -hmm. But in the start, it was like working all the time. I, 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 I was living in Poland. I didn't have any friends in Poland. I didn't go back to England. I just worked. Um, so... You, I mean, you just have to pay the price, right? You have to get good. And the way you get good is by doing 
doing a lot of work. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it, the, the only reason something's not working now, whether it's a business or whether it's your tennis skills is because you're not good enough because you haven't done enough. Like I think Arnie calls them reps. So basically if it's not working, you just have to do it more. Now there is some space and room for talent, um, I guess, and you're naturally predisposed to be good at stuff. I think I was naturally predisposed to be good at like working with people and understanding people. So marketing and building teams. Um, if I wasn't, maybe it would have taken longer than seven years. So it's good to have an idea of, or an understanding of where you are naturally good and then try to do more of that. So the learning curve is faster, but that's the, 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 the real answer is you just have to spend more time doing it. Yeah. And I think also to add to, to what you just said is you have to be ambitious. Cause I mean, somebody may look at your journey and been like, he only did it in seven years and I've been working for 15, 20 years and I'm now like getting to that level. So I think, part of that is like you are a motivated individual, right? I mean, you, you're doing way more than the average person is willing to do to get ahead. So in, in that, right, did you come from an entrepreneurial background? Is it like your mom or your dad, anybody in, in your history have entrepreneurial hustle and where do you get it from? No, my, my parents weren't, weren't entrepreneurial. I didn't do anything entrepreneurial until the legging thing I mentioned earlier. Hmm. I think it came because... It's either because I have an older brother that I'm uh, subconsciously competing with. <laughs> um, so that's probably part of it. And I think I'm competing for my mom's attention. You see, so she um, she's quite hard to impress. And so I think subconsciously I'm trying to beat my brother and impress my mom. Um, so that's probably, that, that's probably a deep driver. Aside from that, I think I, I used to play sports. So I'm quite competitive. Um, so those are the motivations, I think, for, for working so much. Got it. So in your current partnership, I mean, obviously there's always opposites attract, right? And you guys may be similar, you may be opposite, but in any business that has partnerships, there's always some kind of conflict or difference of opinions. How do you guys kind of work work with that? And what kind of personalities are you? Are you guys on the same spectrum or are you guys opposites? So with me and Neil, um, I think we, we work, we're quite effective. We're working together. Um, he is very technical and I'm probably the, the opposite of that. Um, we both have similar goals, right? I think that's the most important thing when you're working with a business partner is um, what are you trying to achieve? And if then it becomes easy to make the, the decisions because you're both trying to achieve the same thing. And so then you can have a rational discussion about what is the best route to the thing we both want. So before you get into a business partnership, it's very important to understand what someone else wants because that is going to smooth the rest of the journey from there. Um, so I think what me and Neil did quite well is that we understood we didn't want to raise money. We wanted to be a We wanted to grow to X amount of millions of dollars per year. And so we, we have few arguments because we, we, that's still what we both, we both want. And so we can be rational about what are the pragmatic steps to get us there. Hmm. Interesting. So on this journey, right? I mean, obviously there's, there's always difficult to juggle time. So currently, how do you juggle your work life with your family life? Uh, yeah, so I, as I mentioned, I, I'm working less, so I don't really work in the evenings. I don't really work at the weekends anymore. So I'll work from early in the morning till five or six or seven, and then I just won't work. And so the evenings and the weekends are pretty free and open. Um, fortunately, my fiance is also an entrepreneur, so it's not who don't have that many time challenges with that. Um, 
I think the the older I've become, the importance of rest is becomes so clear. Like you can't work hard forever, um, otherwise you're just pretending that you're doing work and you're not actually doing any work. So it, taking those breaks is super important. So, I mean, what are your morning habits, your morning routines currently? Yeah, so it's very, it's the same every day. And so uh, I'll get up between half five and seven, depending on how late I went to bed mm-hmm. the night before. And then I will take the dog for a run and then I'll come back inside and then I'll have a shower and then I'll make a fruit tea mm-hmm. and I'll get dressed and then I will meditate for five minutes and then I'll write down my goals and what I'm grateful for in the book, you can see the book here. This is a book. So this is today. So this is the goals. This is what I'm grateful for. And then I have the to-do list. You can see I've got two left. Um, And so then I'll start working and I'll try not to open Slack or email for one or two hours so I can actually do stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Monday to Tuesday is fame in the morning in that time, Thursday to Wednesday, Thursday is Bcast in the morning at that time. Yeah. Friday is normally content creation. And then from like nine or so, I open Slack and email, then I have to do other stuff. Um, but that's the process that I've been operating for like three months and it's, it's working quite well. Nice. I mean, so obviously you have structure and you have a system. And I mean, that's part of the reason why you get to get so much things done because you have a system and you have structure. Do you think that you've always had that or that's something that you grew into over a period of time? No, like the, the reason why the structure works is because you, you or for me anyway, and I think most people, you have a very limited amount of willpower. So you, ha- you have to, you have like one or two hours of actual time where you can do good work. So you're going to spend that deciding what clothes you're going to wear or like how you're going to get to work or whether the bus is coming on time or you're going to spend that actually doing stuff. So I, the whole thing has been engineered so that I don't really have to think until I sit down for those one to two hours of work. Mm. Cause I know that my ability to actually do stuff after that, after that's been depleted is like, like 75% decrease in effectiveness. Mm-hmm. So it's been engineered that way. Um, and I have learned that over the years, like as well as learning about self-help or whatever, as I mentioned before, I'll learn about productivity as part of that. Especially I find it super interesting. Mm. And so that's mm. the core for me, the, the core tenet of productivity is protecting what I call the golden hours nice. um, because that's what's going to ultimately, if you, one of my goals for this year is that just make sure you do the one to two hour golden hours. And if you do that, the, the goals will come because these are the things, that's the condition you can put in place to ensure that you actually do the stuff that needs to be done. Definitely interesting. And I think earlier you alluded to like like the books and you're talking about productivity and you're talking about systems. So I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I would think that you're you're an avid reader and just by default that you're getting this content from your life experiences and from additional information that you're pulling in. And if this is true, what books are you currently reading and what books have you read to get you to currently where you are? Yeah. So I think I go through phases with reading. Um, I think it started with like very classical business books mm-hmm. uh, like books about wealth and self-help mm-hmm. and then it will probably went to marketing books mm-hmm. then i went to like ops and systems books mm-hmm. more recently it's been more like finance books because i've been learning about that um but to pick out some that have been most impactful the millionaire fast lane as we discussed earlier mm-hmm. i think the selfish gene by richard dawkins is like a crucial book to read mm-hmm. um and then another one by a biologist called Matt Reddy called The Evolution of Everything. These are not really business related though. Um, in terms of business and marketing, I think Seth Godin's books are the best. So Purple Cow is like the fundamental read. 
Um, but I would just start if, if someone is um, listening, I'd probably just start by reading something that you're actually interested in. And, and you kind of, then your, your tentacles will spread as you grow. So maybe that book, you'll mention another book and then you'll read that and then you'll find another book. And so I wouldn't try and force yourself to read something you're not interested in. This thing is more important that you are reading than, than the quality or, or what you are reading. Nice. Definitely nice. So, I mean, obviously you're on a, you're on, your, your direction is north. You're, you're running a bull market. You're on scale right now. Where do you see yourself in 20 years from now? Yeah, I, that's a great point. I think in 20 years, um, I don't, I don't know. Like right now the businesses are growing. I'm enjoying it. I'm learning stuff. We're making money. So I don't feel like, I don't feel that. I don't feel like I need to change from that. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think I'll be running these businesses in 20 years? Maybe it, like, cause right now I'm, I'm improving and I'm enjoying myself. I, I suspect I'll have other interests in, in 20 years. Maybe I'll be doing something else. But it'll still be probably in business. Maybe it'll be in a different area of the marketing. But um, right now, I'm just happy with the journey that we're on and the growth we're experiencing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's, it's great growth, and I think you guys are definitely creating superb products. So uh, again, I, I'm a user, so I definitely appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, so just just diving into it. I mean, obviously, you're into SaaS. You have a SaaS platform. In addition to BCAS, what other software? that you would recommend that, you know, you would not be able to do what you do on a daily basis without. So I think uh, from in the agency and in PCAST, we use Trello, Slack, and Google Drive. Now these, and we don't pay for any of them. Mm-hmm. And they work together really well. Slack, obviously, for day-to-day conversations. Trello for task management and Google Drive for storage. Those three things are like game-changing. If you, if you use them well, you need guidelines on how you use them. Do you, do you put links? Like, where do you put links? Do you have labels for your trailer cards? Do you have a folder structure? So we're like um, militant about these things. Mm. But if you slowly improve how you use those three things over time, you're not paying anything because it's all free. Um, and they're incredibly powerful. And they all integrate with each other. Mm. So that's, that's like the, 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 the golden triangle, you could say, of um, business software. Aside from that, we use like Freshdesk. Again, we don't pay Freshdesk to, mm-hmm. to do client communication. Um, I think a big thing for service businesses and SaaS businesses is how can you eradicate unnecessary costs? Because if you can do that, you can bring your prices down and then you can get more clients. And then you, you'll, you'll have more revenue, you can mm-hmm. cut more costs, and you can get more clients. So that's the, like the flywheel that Amazon uses. So mm-hmm. we, I, I, like, maybe I'm tight-fisted, but <laughs> we're just militant on costs, especially on fame, because... We can that enables us to win so many more clients so easily. So aside from that, for Bcast, we use Help Scout for um, tickets, which is good. We do pay for that, unfortunately. Um, aside from that, I don't know how much else we pay for. Obviously, Bcast we use. Um, I use Email Octopus for emails. It's very cheap email software. Um, AH, so Ahrefs is the one that I, you should nice. definitely pay for for SEO. Um, they're a sponsor of my podcast, so I have to say that. But no, they honestly is really good software. Um, so that's probably the the bulk of our tech stack. Nice, nice. I think that you just brought up something I was just thinking about. I probably had to submit it to to your team. I was like thinking about Trello, like integrating Trello into BCAS would be really interesting for organizing like general content directly from a podcast by uploading it and having it organized in Trello on the fly would be definitely interesting. But um, yeah, that's so- nice. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you you brought it to my attention just by what you said. And I was like, that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. So, um, looking at, at like 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 your platform, right? Like, what what's your your optimal goal, and and, and kind of where do you see Bcast going down the road? So we're just trying to build the podcast host which best mm. uh, serves the marketer. Our definition of marketer is, is not someone who's a digital marketing manager. It's somebody who wants to grow their podcast uh, so that they can profit either from the podcast or from their business. Mm. So our, all we do, everything we filter, like every decision we filter through the fact, is this going to help the marketer? So it's how we do support. It's how, what, what features we build. It's what blog posts we write. And so that's the, that's the guiding, that's like the North Star. And, and we know if we get that right, with more and more marketers are starting to podcast, and remember, it's our definition of marketer, mm-hmm. more and more people are coming to podcasting looking to profit, mm-hmm. then we know if we get that right, we're going to build a sustainable business. So that's all we do. Like We're not too concerned with MRR at the moment. Obviously, we want to see it going up. But what really matters is, is the product improvement proving? Are we getting better feedback? Are we getting good reviews? Because we know if we keep doing this, then ultimately, we will be able to build a big, not, it's not going to be a massive software company. But we'll be able to build a good, fast-growing software company that everyone loves. That's that's the goal, and we we're going to do that by creating building stuff that helps the marketer. So I think you you just alluded to something else that made me think about another question. So you're talking about your ideal marketer by your definition. So in the platform, who's the persona? Who is the ideal client for that platform? Yeah. So it's it's in our definition, it's a marketer. But the definition we use is is somebody who's looking to grow their podcast and ultimately make a profit from the podcast or from their business. So it's a person who, let's say, has a small agency and they want to use a podcast to uh, get the attention of their ideal clients and also build the relationships. Um, so that's, a, that's an example. It's also someone who has a job but started a podcast on the side and wants to earn extra $500 to $1,000 a month of income through the podcast. So someone who's looking to grow, get their audio content to more people and ultimately ultimately make a profit. Nice, nice. So let's say I'm 20 years old and, and, and I'm looking at this podcast and I'm hearing all the things that you've done and I'm just like, holy shit, this guy is great. I want to kind of follow in his footsteps. What words of advice would you give to me for me to follow in your footsteps to continue on my entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I think it's so there's two things. It's like choosing what to work on and then working on the thing. So regarding choosing what to work on, I would start to try and think about yourself. What are you naturally predisposed to be good at or interested in? That's the first thing. And just start like start there because it's going to be easier to succeed. And then in terms of actually doing the thing, you have to start looking at, you have to understand, as we've discussed today, that if or you have to reframe in your mind a failure to a learning experience. And so you don't say it's a failure. You say, okay, I, I learned from that. And so if you can be strategic about what you choose to work on, because you're naturally predisposed to be good at it. And if you can make that reframe, then I think you either cut your your time to success or increase your chances of success by like 50%. And so I had, I think I was very good at reframing, um, but I don't think I was very good at choosing what to work on. If I started a podcasting agency back then and started a podcast hosting SaaS back then, you're right. Maybe they would have failed because I didn't have the six years of experience, but maybe they, I would have also been at this this space like three years ago. So that those, if you understand those two concepts, action those two concepts, I think you will be more likely to be successful faster. Nice, nice. So I think take take a little bit more of that, right? So let's say 
I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm going to, I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to take the risk and I'm just going to do it. Right. And I want to create a SaaS platform. Like, like what's the, like the first thing that I should know that I should be doing to start a platform. Start a service company first. So I understand what it, what the problem is that you're solving or you're trying to solve and they're going to solve it to someone, but with, with a person. Hmm. And then from there, once you have revenue, you understand the problem, then I would only start automating parts of that. Hmm. So you look at it from the standpoint of there's a problem, your service is currently the solution, then how could you turn your service into an automated system to help complete that service? Yeah, like a SaaS and a service business do exactly the same thing. They're solving a problem for a person. And so the person actually doesn't care if a, a person, another person is solving that, or if a computer is solving that, or if a microchip is doing it. And so that's why, because you, you don't want to spend a year solving a problem with by building a microchip system um, if you're not actually, if it's not valuable, it's not a viable business. If you're a service company, you can make money and you can learn about the problem and you can learn to see if it is a viable software company um, in very fast. And so we kind of did that, right? Because we, had, we started growing podcasts for businesses with a service. And then we started automating parts of that process with Bcast. Nice. Nice. So in addition to that, I guess with your outsourcing, could someone contact your outsourcing company if they wanted to just say develop an application or develop some software? I, I, I don't have the outsourcing company anymore. I, we shut it down like uh, 2015. But um, to, like getting stuff built, if you can get MVPs built very cheap by going to Upwork, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, using a team offshore, uh, maybe I, I, I can't talk about the quality, but mm. the, it, it's very easy and cheap to get that done. Um, mm. To build something that's like quick and dirty, like a few thousand nice. dollars. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, starting dirty is definitely better to start than not start at all. So I definitely appreciate that. So just, just going into like, how could people get in contact with you? I mean, like, what's your social media profiles, or what website would you want to send them to? Yeah, so I probably most active on LinkedIn. So you just search Tom Han on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to learn about fame, fame.so, uh, or if you are considering podcasts that we'd love to have you over at Bcast, we have a 14 day free trial, bcast.fm, or you can just email me at tom at tom.io. Perfect. Perfect. So going into the bonus round, right? And I think that this particular question, I think you're going to have something pretty interesting to say because you had so many, so many damn achievements to this point. So what is your most significant achievement to date? Very good question. I think maybe it, I feel most proud of building the online marketplace. So it was bootstrapped. I was like 25. I was traveling around the world. We built this online marketplace that managed payments that track time. We got 83 people, people on the supply side. We got like 20 people hiring Filipino virtual assistants. Mm. So building that bootstrapped and like getting it to a point where I made money. And then setting it, I think, was probably the best thing I've done in the entrepreneurial world. Um, mm. And it was, yeah, and, and it's, it was the best thing, but it's also the thing that taught me the most. Nice, nice. So another bonus question for you. If you could spend 24 hours in a day with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Uh, probably Satoshi Nakamoto, <laughs> the Bitcoin creator. Nice. Uh, there's maybe not a good answer because it's not one no, person, no. but yeah, um, I think that that's an incredible um, innovation, but it's also not just the 
innovation, but the way in which the innovation was delivered to the world um, is very, very clever. Yeah, I think even till this day, the marketing strategy behind it is still mysterious. But the compounding of that 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 one situation that they created so long ago, we can kind of see the result if you bought into it ten years ago. It's night and day different. So, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, to your point, I think it's it's we don't know who who the person really is. It's kind of like a phantom, phantom group yeah. of people. Yeah. So, I mean, going into closing, I mean, this is the opportunity where you know. Whoever I'm interviewing, I give the microphone and the floor is yours to ask me any questions that may have come up while we've been talking. What, what's the goal with this show? With, with this show, it's, it's twofold. One, one hand is, is to help and to inspire other business owners, startup companies, startup entrepreneurs find their way. I mean, just what you deliver today can give someone an experience that they may not have thought about, an opportunity to figure out things just by hearing you speak. On the other side of it is for me to kind of create a legacy to leave behind information for like my family, for my kids, my grandkids, and any other entrepreneur that I may know or I may cross paths with down the road to have opportunity to look at these podcast episodes and see that everyone has different journeys and different opportunities, but the end result is still the same. It's entrepreneurism. Nice. I love it. I, th- I think you're a great host. I love the production. I love, the, as I told you, I love the banner already. Yeah. Appreciate um, it. So no, I really enjoyed the, the discussion. Um, I'm sure the podcast is going to do some great things in the future. And we're honored to have you on Bcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate it. And, and, you know, I've been on different host providers before, but I think Bcast is definitely coming in on the ground floor and just seeing you guys and seeing the exponential growth and seeing like, just like the little details of the strategy behind, like the inserts, the inserts to me are like, like the best thing that you guys added because now it cuts down on editing. Like you don't have to edit in and out when you have inserts and i think the next thing you guys are going to release is a, a middle insert correct and that changes yeah, the game. No, th- th- thank you so much for the feedback that you're 100 right that that is our most powerful feature um is for is really great and we're actually not sure technically about the, the mid-roll but we're going to try everything we can to do it um mm. but yeah it's a very powerful feature for anyone listening it's basically let's say you have a webinar next week you have 25 episodes in your backlog you want to edit a, you want to get people on the webinar right and you have this backlog getting hundreds of downloads a day a week so you with insights you just record a 30 second edit and in three clicks and like 20 seconds you put that at the start or end of any number of those episodes for those next seven days so it's super powerful um and the same if you have a sponsor then you can just put that ad in for one month um so yeah that you're right we need to i need to shout more about that um, and we do also need to get the mid-roll in there because that's like one of our the highest uh, recommended features. But thank you for bringing yeah. that up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think with the mid-roll, it'd be great because then you can kind of do any other ad spots. And I think another feature that uh, I saw on the list that I, that I liked was putting like a, a B-roll, like being able to select a section of the podcast and roll it in the front. So you can kind of get like the highlight of this podcast would probably be you talking about Bcast and then do like a 30 second B-roll before we get to that insert would be like, that's, that's another cool feature to cut down on editing as well. Yeah, nice. Yep, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely appreciate your time. I mean, I think this was a great episode. I mean, you dropped lots of golden nuggets and jewels and information. And just if you're listening, I would definitely rewind it, listen to it a couple of times because there was some times that you said some things that are so inspirational and motivational to kind of get jump started and just get your ass off your couch and get started. So I definitely appreciate you, Tom. And I look forward to seeing your your, your next ventures. No, thank you. It's an honor to come on. I really enjoyed the, the discussion. Um, and yeah, if anybody has any questions, then just email me, tom at tomhunt.io. Perfect, man. Well, S.A. Grant, 
over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash freebook.